guys, D. Williams here, and you are listening to episode number 15 of the Staffing Startup.tv podcast. Let's get fired up! Welcome to StaffingStartup.tv, the podcast that gives you direct access to the world's leading recruitment, staffing, and startup experts. Dee Williams speaks with amazing thought leaders, venture capitalists, and technology trendsetters about their journey, challenges, and successes related to recruitment, staffing, and hiring. Now, here's your host, Dee Williams. Hey everybody, this is Dee Williams and welcome to the StaffingStartup.tv podcast where we get fired up about recruitment and staffing. Oh, okay. That's right. You know, this podcast is all about the ins and outs, ups and downs and all arounds of finding and nurturing and securing exceptional talent for companies all across the globe. And today we're diving right into one of my favorite segments, Driven Insights. Driven Insights, where we talk to thought leaders about recruitment, hiring, and recruitment leadership practices that will help staffing entrepreneurs support their clients more effectively and grow their businesses. And today's guest is world-renowned, in my opinion, but I think he really is, right? He's definitely somebody that I've looked up to throughout my recruiting my recruiting career. And I, when, when I first got on the call, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fangirling. <laughs> so he was cracking up. But um, he's one to really make you think about how you hire, which is one of the reasons why I love our guest. He's the author of the book, Hire With Your Head. I'm speaking to the one and only Lou Adler. Welcome, Lou. Hey, thank you very much, Dee. Delighted to be here with you. I'm so excited. I don't think I can keep your energy level low, but I'll try. (laughs) Everybody says that, and you know, this is where I live at, so um, this is my space, so just be with me. (laughs) So I know we only have a little bit of time, but I'm so excited about you being here because, in my opinion, anybody who's in recruitment and staffing, they, they understand that you know, bringing new clients on board is great, but if you don't have exceptional talent to put in those positions, then you really don't have a real business. And one of the things you talk about is hiring with your head. You know, you you talk about performance-based hiring, but before we get into all of that, because I get really excited, for the people out there who have no clue who Lou Adler is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, well, I haven't always been a recruiter, although I've been a recruiter for 40 years. But what I realized when I first became a recruiter 40 years ago, that nobody knew what they were doing. And I'm going to contend very few know today. But what I really learned, and I became very, very successful very, very quickly because of one unique skill, is I never used a job description that listed skills or experiences, because that is not a job description. That's a person description. So my first job assignment as a recruiter was walking through a manufacturing plant, making hot rod wheels for hot rods and dune buggies and all this other kind of stuff. And I walked through the plant, knew the president, walked through the plant, and I said, here, we'll get somebody to fix the plant. Just, and I've always done that ever since. I have never, ever, ever used a skills-based job description. And I go to talk to my clients. I said, if you want me as a recruiter, and you want to hire a good person, do not define the person before you define the job. Most job descriptions are a list of skills, duties, and personality traits. That's not a job description. That's a person description. What do you want the person to do? And I'll find a person who can do that work. That has been my pitch for 40 years, and it works like a charm. I'm a lot better at it now, but I'm also going to contend 
getting the trust of a hiring manager starts by knowing the work itself. You as a recruiter will never get the trust of a hiring manager if you're using a bunch of skills because then it's problematic of what the person does. Mm -hmm. Secondarily, you'll never get the trust of a candidate if you don't know what the work is. Because how can you possibly affect the person's life and career without showing them that, hey, this is the work you want to do. It's a career move. So you have to know the job. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to spend the time learning the job, then I guarantee you'll be an average recruiter at best. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that to me is Lou Adler, and that's my mantra. And I taking three assignments on Friday, and we're going to talk. One's a general counselor, two are company presidents. And the first question I'm going to ask the chairman is, what does this person need to do to be successful? And that's what every single recruiter has to learn. It's chapter six in my current book, D, The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. Did I, do I not have that book? Are you kidding? Uh, you might not, but you certainly didn't mention it. I that did book not mention that it. is 10 years old. Oh my gosh, I didn't mention it. You're listening to StaffingStartup.tv, more than just a startup podcast. Every single recruiter should begin reading chapter six. And if you and if your staffing firms, as you're looking, I'll give advice to your staffing firms. Do so right now. I, this is your yeah, this is well, your podcast. Do so right now. Tell, what if you had one thing that you could say to newbies and you know that are just getting started? What would you say? What would you tell them to do? That's it's what I say. I said, learn how to understand the work you're recruiting for, because mm-hmm. you will not be. You'll just be playing with numbers. Mm-hmm. You'll try to if you don't know the job itself. All you're going to do is find someone who responds to a posting, who's got the basic skills, who has an economic need to take the job, and will fit the salary, and you got to that person first. Very transactional recruiting. A lot of people do it, uh, but they don't do it for the long term. If you want to really be a recruiter, you're going to find, you're going to be able to improve quality of hire, and you're going to be able to find a candidate who has multiple offers, but you'll be a good closer and convince this person you have the right job. You cannot do any of that unless you know the actual work. Mm-hmm. So, but let me, really so let me ask you another question then. What about the the recruiters that are working on the splits boards? They don't necessarily have or working on a VMS or a, um, you know, working on it with an MSP where they don't necessarily have that direct access to those. And I wouldn't do that. For as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't do the search. I just. Okay. If I'm not talking to the hiring manager, that's not a business. So now it's a different business. Okay. I will not do any work where I'm not talking directly to the hiring manager. Okay. Okay. Do, it's a waste of time. It's okay. probably it's like playing the lottery at Vegas, and that's fine. People make money, but I'm certainly not going to do that. I love Never it. have or will. I love it. I know that that's an option that a lot of people use, especially when they're they're kind of getting started and they're to trying. Be yeah, I would say it's a waste of time. You're going to get started down the rabbit hole and you're going to wonder why you hate the job and you're going to think it was great and you'll discover that, hey, you make a little bit of money, but there's no longevity to it. Mm-hmm. So your chapter six, when 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 the recruiter, a new recruiter comes in, reads into chapter six and they dive in, they're walking away with a good understanding as to how to understand the job and how to and find how to take the assignment. And right, how to take the assignment. Day. Okay. That's perfect. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so we're going to be back. Give us one moment. We're going to be back with Lou Adler, and we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to try to redeem myself here <laughs> in a second. You're and... going to have to work very hard, D. Oh, gosh, look at that. This is, you know what? My day started out <laughs> so crazy. Okay, we'll be back. What's your Eastern time zone? <laughs> Attention, all computer and information technology professionals. It is estimated that the business of placing contract technology workers is at least a billion-dollar industry. And today, 
we want to show you how you can become a supplier of tech talent to companies all over the world. That's right. You can put your IT colleagues on contract and build them out. It's not rocket science and is a great additional income. Let Staffingpreneurs Academy show you how to start your very own IT niche recruitment, staffing, and consulting business. Learn more at staffingpreneursacademy.com IT. That's staffing, P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S, academy.com, slash IT, right now. Oh my gosh, Lou, I'm like really red for real. Like, oh my gosh. So it's the essential guide for hiring and getting hired. Yes. Okay, performance-based hiring series. So the ones that I'm listening to, they all kind of, I mean, I know your, I know what the foundation of your, your, your message is because they're in those books, I guess, but in pieces. Is that how it is? Well, I would actually say the content is basically the same of the methodology. Okay. Now, how you find candidates, because candidates now are easier to find with all the tools, but because they're easier to find, everybody can find. So you got to be a better recruiter and a better closer. Mm-hmm. So, so things have changed, but at the core level of what a hiring manager is looking for, how you interview that candidate how you close that candidate, that has not changed. And in fact, that has become more important now that everybody has access to the same candidate. So mm-hmm. differentiator is, hey, I'm, I really understand the job. I can convince the candidate that he or she should work with you as a recruiter. And you can convince the hiring manager, wow, this recruiter is really bringing a value-added thing, not just a, st- a stack of candidates I can find on my own. Mm-hmm. So one's a transactional process, like selling stuff out of a catalog. The other one is, hey, I'm providing real value to you and I just and I can justify my fee as a result of that. So do you find that people um, with with the market being um is so aggressive. I read uh, recently um, from the last sentence it was census is 19,408 staffing agencies in the United States today, right? Uh, so with that being said, do you feel that um some of these hiring managers are definitely very um you know, they're very money conscious, right? So they're like, why would I um, pay top notch for your quote unquote value when this guy over here, I don't have to go through any, I don't have to go through the job description. I can just email him the description and I can pay him if we, if they send somebody like they see so many options being offered to them. It's almost like, just kind of like, okay, just pick, 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 pick. How, how do you, you know, do you, do you find that hiring managers, you see more of that more recruiters struggling with that? I think, yes. I think if you're a transactional recruiter, you're just a commodity. Uh, and whoever gets the, ca- the same candidate first, uh, and if you luck out with the hiring manager, but then you're leaving everything to chance. It's like throwing darts mm-hmm. at the dartboard with your eyes closed. I have a different approach. I create value up front. In fact, very frequently, I'll give a performance based, I call when I when I do the intake meeting, I call it a performance profile or a performance-based job description. I sometimes give it away. I say, hey, D, you know, I know you're looking for a controller. Let's just chat 20 minutes. I'll show you the difference of what we do. Let's define success for that controller. It's going to be three or four performance objectives. And you, if you like that methodology and you believe that I understand your job and can find candidates, we can arrange a business. But I'm more than happy just to chat with you for a half hour, I'll even meet with you and describe to you our methodology and why it's different. Mm-hmm. When I have that chance to meet with a hiring manager and go through the process, which is nothing more, much more than chapter six, but that's the essence of it. 50 to 75% of the time I will get the search assignment. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's go beyond the search, a search assignment. So you got the search assignment and now you're still 
kind of most recruiters that I talked to today are floating around in LinkedIn very aggressively. And then, you know, by the time you're talking to the candidate, they're like, Three people already sent me an email about this, right? So are you are you pro pro for going out and looking for other avenues to recruit from other than just LinkedIn? Or do you feel like that's where the world needs to be right now? Well, I use a couple of tools, but to me it's not I go out to LinkedIn all the time. I get I have what I call a small batch high touch process. Mm-hmm. So I identify 15 to 20 people that meet three criteria. Criteria one is their performance qualified, meaning they can do the work. If they couldn't do the work, the manager wouldn't see them, but they they meet the performance. Number two, they have what I call the achiever pattern, meaning they're in the top half or top quartile of their peer group, and you can source based on that. That criteria says, ah, the hiring manager, if, if the hiring manager sees this person, he or she was like, wow, this is a great person, and they can do the work. Yeah, I want to hire that person. The third criteria is equally as important. The candidate I'm going after would see the job as a career move. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for a director of accounting for a mid-sized company, I'm probably going to find a senior manager at a bigger company who would see, wow, a smaller company, growing faster, better title, and I can do the work. So now, so now I only have 15 or 20 people. Mm-hmm. I just reach out to them, and I, I will get 75% of those. They're all passive. I will get 75% of those people to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Now, they can look at my resume, even my sourcers, their LinkedIn profile is very impressive. Mm-hmm. There's something worth talking to. So when you reach out to a candidate as a staffing agency, if all you're representing is that specific job, the probability that candidate will respond to you because that at that moment, that person has an economic need is 5 to 10%. But if you represent not just that job, but other jobs for the future so that you're someone worth knowing, not just for that job, but for years, because, well, I need to know Dee. She's really, she's she's placing accountants throughout Chicago. Yeah, I need to know this woman. Right. So now all of a sudden you've created value not only for this job, but also for the future. Mm-hmm. Now you got, so now you got these candidates, and even if they're not perfect, you connect with them on LinkedIn and you get referrals from those people. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the kind of model that I would build if I was going to start my own recruiting firm again. That's but that's, I do it all the time, but it's so logical. Why would you not do that? That's the niche solution right there. That's, I mean, that's, that's a core piece of it. So, you know, I'm all about that. That's the one thing that I preach like every day, like get your niche, go into it, dominate that niche and, and allow it to work for you. And that's really how I built my business. So that's really awesome. Okay, great. For a couple of years now, I've been thinking about starting my own recruiting business, but wasn't really sure how. About six months ago, around one in the morning, I was playing around on YouTube and came across this very energetic lady named Dee Williams, who shows professionals, just like me, how to start a recruiting and staffing business. I was blown away. I signed up immediately. Learn how you can get started, too, at staffingpreneursacademy.com. That's staffing, P-R-E, N-E-U-R-S academy.com. We have, we're in a situation today where a conversation that I'm hearing more often than never is about the talent war, about um, the talent shortage, the war on talent. Like, what are your thoughts about the the whole scenario? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's bullcrap? Like, what are your thoughts? Oh, no, it's absolutely real. But the problem is because it's now easier to find candidates. So, in fact, I'm going to contend that the internet and LinkedIn, while invaluable tools, have made things worse because now everybody can find the same candidates. 
when a candidate gets aggravated, he or she can look on LinkedIn and find a job or get a three calls from a recruiter. So if you call that candidate up at the right time, he or she will say, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to leave. Of course, a week later, uh, they're not ready to leave, so you lose them. Uh, so you really have to create a value proposition. But I truly think the war for talent has been around in 1997. McKinsey wrote a book, I think it was McKinsey, but yeah. I'm not positive, yeah, it was about McKinsey. the war for talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has won it yet. The things have gotten worse. You only get average results if everybody has the same tools. So you have to be different. My focus on being different is I tell a candidate, let's say, assume I call you up and say, D, uh, would you be open? To, I've got a situation, looks like it's kind of interesting. Would you be open to explore it if it really, truly represented a career move? And then you're going to say, well, maybe, well, what's the money? And I'm going to say, let's be real frank. It doesn't matter what the money is if it's not a career move. Let's first see if it's a career move. And then you say, well, that's kind of interesting. What's a career move? And I say, I've got to give you at least a 30% increase. And you say, oh, I said, but it's not money. It's a combination of job stretch, could be 5 or 10% bigger job, faster growth, 5 or 10%. More important job, another five or ten percent, and the mix of more satisfying work, another five or ten percent. That's going to be difficult to find, but if it is, we have to talk seriously. Mm-hmm. Then I, then you say, well, okay, I'll chat with you, uh, Lou. I said, let's do this. Let's just review your LinkedIn profile very quickly. I do not let, I do not sell the job up front. All recruiters sell the job first. They should not do that mm-hmm. because you're typical transactional recruiter. Mm-hmm. Remember, I'm stating a relationship that goes beyond the job. So you got to recognize that. And I got to overcome all these objections when I get these people. Mm-hmm. But then I say, then I go, let's let's review your LinkedIn profile, see if we can find the 30%. If we do, uh, we'll arrange a more detailed conversation. And if not, let's just connect. We'll see, maybe I'll tell you about the job. We'll see you might know somebody. Get Now, once I get, now getting a person on the phone is somewhat hard, but once I make that pitch, it's easy. Mm-hmm. I establish a relationship within minutes. Mm-hmm. You also establish yourself as not a pushy recruiter trying to close the deal because you're a one-timer. That's, I mean, to me, it's a fundamental difference, but so many recruiters go through that rabbit hole of a staff. I'm just going to try to get jobs. I don't know the manager. Hey, I tell you, you're affecting a person's life. If you don't know the manager in a job, to me, you're doing a discourtesy to the whole world and just trying to get a fee. I agree. Say that loud and proud. I definitely agree with that. Um, And so, and, and so you bring up so many different things that that I want to touch on. Um so the the re- one of the reasons why I asked about the talent wars cuz I've read um three or four uh articles that said that it's not real, right? And that it's just that one article recently said that the hiring managers are picky. And that was the reason that's the reason for the talent war that there are many people out here that can do these jobs but they are so picky. So I always like to kind of get other people's perspectives on on just the whole talent war situation, because I've heard so many um, different views about that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was direct hire and, and contract. Does your performance-based hiring model work for both ends of the spectrum, or is it more direct hire focused? Oh, it's for everything. I mean, it's we've done contract. I mean, it, it depends. If you want a good contractor, and there are some people who like to work on contracts, and we did a lot of work with aerospace about 10 years ago. We just, if you define the job as still pushing the envelope, doing exciting work, you're going to be able to get a stronger contractor. You might not, you're not going to get someone for life. But so to me, yes, if you define the job as a series of performance objectives, what the person needs to do, and then find people who are motivated to do that, you'll obviously get a better fit, whether it's a contractor or full time. Now, contractors have a different lifestyle in their own mind, but 
nonetheless, you still want the best contractors to do your work. And if they're real good, you you as a uh, search firm that places contractors, you'll keep them placed for life or certainly for years yeah. in different contracts. So, yes, it works. It works for entry level positions, the chairman of the board and for any type of uh, temp or perm or direct hire. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, recently we had Steve Whitsoncorn on our, he's Dr. Steve Whitsoncorn on our podcast, and he's the co-author of the book, The Catalyst Effect. And he talks a lot about uh, the B candidate, right? Because I know um, every a lot of us talk about the A candidate, right? And um, even I, I'm a huge fan of Patty McCord, and she just got um, launched the book Powerful, and she talked about she hates calling A players, quote unquote, A players, right? She just wants to go to the pool of people to find. Well, Steve believes that the B players are what makes the A players go round. And I wanted to get your thoughts about the the B player, because I've had this question posed to me a number of times. Do we go after the B player in the way that we go after the A player? Do we acknowledge the B player? B player? Should we only go after the A player? Um, and all of those different things. Do you feel like the B player is just as essential as the A player? See, I think the whole question is silly on the face of it. Uh, now, let me explain why. Yeah. I think even categorizing people like that, when I take that, now let me go back to my first, when I take the intake meeting, I ask the hiring manager, what do you, what does this person need to do to be successful? Then I say, what, so and it's, okay, so let's assume it was uh, an accountant. He, he or she has to put together a financial reporting system to measure cost in real time. Mm-hmm. It's an app. I said, okay, what does someone in the top third need to do to meet that criteria? Well, they have to be able to come up and running in 90 days and be able to implement the report in six months. That's a top third person. So now, to me, that's a or B. If mm-hmm. someone can do that work, they are the right player, not A or B player. So then I'll, now I have a ranking system. We call it our quality of higher talent scorecard. I rank people on a one to five scale. A one is winds up being in the bottom third. Just because you hired the person based on personality and uh, just because you needed to hire somebody. A level two is what I call a mid-tier hire. Got the basic skills, but not motivated to do the work. Then you have what I call level three is someone who is perfectly capable and competent to do that work. I don't care if it's an A or B, they're the top third. And I tell managers, these are the people who will get the work done, reliable, make it happen. They love doing the work and are great team players. Is that an A or B? I don't know. It's, a, it's the right person. Now, now you have a level four. I say level four is probably the top 15%. But if you don't give that person a level four job, they'll underperform and they'll wind up being in the bottom half. But if you give them a level three or four job, they'll probably be your peer in two to three years. Mm-hmm. And a level five is an all-star. But if you don't give that person a level five job, they'll be history in a year mm-hmm. because they'll quit because the job's not big enough for them. On the other hand, if you do give them a level five job, expect them to be your boss in three to four years. Mm-hmm. So I think we do a disservice to the whole hiring process to categorize A and B. It's a function of the work. Mm-hmm. If someone is highly motivated to do that work, they're a great hire. Mm-hmm. And I tell people the real problem is no twos. And two is someone who is uh, competent but not motivated to do the work in your situation. So that's the issue. No twos. Now you hire someone who's either a three, four, or five, and you can't make and you make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, because the culture is everything today. I mean, that, that defines how you grow. So that we definitely want you definitely want to hire people who are going to be motivated. So that so was that to me is so that's why I say it's not you don't I just think the classification 
is the problem as opposed to the solution. Find people who are highly motivated to do that work and you'll hire a great person. I don't care if they're A.B. Some of them will be better than others, but they'll still all be good. Well, I think it's all within good intentions. I think that they are ranking their the A and B as you're ranking your levels, right? So yeah, maybe- but I, but you could be an A for a job for one job and it's D for another job. So it's I agree with that. So it's all about the fit with the job, the personality and the career opportunity. So you gotta look at it in a different fashion. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree agree with that. Um Okay, so where can everyone find you? So first of all, can you tell a um, please give them the title of your book and where they can go purchase it? That's well, I'm going to give them more than that. Okay, I'm going to your. So let me give the big infomercial, but you'll thank me. Okay, we have. If you have never done recruiting before, you have to go to performancebasedhiring.com and sign up for our self-paced learning platform. I think it's a couple hundred bucks for ninety days. In ninety days. We'll even throw a copy of your book, the book in at no cost, but you'll learn how to hire. It's got about 20 lessons in it. You go through them step by step by step. You do it over again and you do it over again. And then you do it part of a real search two times. And in three months, you'll be you'll know how to hire great people. Now, the book itself will get you started, but you have to do it. You have to screw it up. You have to make mistakes. You have to get your closing techniques wrong. I said, I call that person said the wrong thing. Yeah, that's part of it. Big deal. You'll learn. You won't do it the next time. You got lead interviews, you got to debrief, you got to talk to hiring manager, you got to fight through it. But if you do those things, you will be, I guarantee, for 100, whatever the price of those three minds is, you will wind up being successful. If you think that's too much money or too much effort, kiss it off now because you'll not be a great recruiter. Wow. That's my message. Okay, awesomeness. So we can find your performancebasedhiring.com. That's the best way to find everything about us. That's the way to find everything about Lou Adler, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you. Uh, you are my inspiration. And get the book and go join his community, his uh, learning platform, because I I have definitely used a number of your, not the full, but I definitely will go through the, um, the, the I didn't know you had an online um, course. So that's pretty awesome. And I definitely will check that out as well. So good luck. Yes, and everybody go check it out. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you. And hopefully you'll come back soon. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. You're amazing. Thanks, right. Lou. Thank Be you. Good. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the staffingstartup.tv podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like more information on any of our stories or would like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at staffingstartup.tv. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and please leave a five-star rating and a super awesome review so others can enjoy the show too. Check out the live video footage on YouTube. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.